Janice Connolly, the Artistic Director of Women in Theatre, and I'm very, very pleased to welcome you to the Women in Theatre podcast. In this series, we present monologues from our Women and Work trilogy. Developed from conversations with women of different ages and backgrounds, these pieces we hope respect and celebrate individual human stories about women's working lives. You're about to hear a monologue from our 2014 show for the past 30 years. The show was created as a celebration of the company's 30-year anniversary. And for the past 30 years, shone a light, really, on the experiences of women who'd spent the last three decades working in theatre, health, community, probation, education and business sectors. It's aimed to give voice to an array of strong, impassioned women and retaining our mission to create meaningful drama with a genuine social and political agenda. We hope you enjoy them. Coming up now is a monologue written by Stephanie Ridings and performed by Lorna Laidlaw. It was looking at the experiences of women working in probation around 2014, have been doing their jobs for 30 years. And after this monologue, you can hear me talking to Tracy Clark about what's going on working in probation now in 2020. But first, let's listen to Viv, 58, probation officer, mom, shit dodger. My parents' voices are still ringing in my ears. We've had to fight for everything we've got in this country. No blacks, no dogs, no Irish. You always have to be twice as good as your counterparts. Always have to work twice as hard. My mum's words, always at the heart of any decision, big or small. Can it help me with this decision, though? Social work or probation? It's a tick box on a form but it's going to determine my future. Social work, probation, social work, probation. I choose probation. And before I know it, I'm deciding where to sit in my first probation class. 13 teenagers died at the new crossfire in Ditford. All black teenagers celebrating a birthday. I have an handout. Pass it round, please. Bloody hell. The handout is filled with horrific images and the blankets used to cover death barely disguise it. Now, they're always telling us the emphasis within the learning is to ask questions. We're supposed to engage and ask questions so that we can make judgments. And looking at this handout, I'm making a judgement all right. My hand shoots up and I wait. And I wait. Nothing. But I'm engaging and asking questions. Excuse me. Sorry, but excuse me. These are people. There are people in this room who know those teenagers and her friends of friends of those killed in that fire. The black community, and all communities in fact, have been greatly affected by this. Do you think you should be talking about it as if it's just a subject and something not real? If I could draw everyone's attention to page two, please. 
sorry. Excuse me. Page two. And just like that, he carries on. But we're told to ask questions. Was that not the right question? Advise, befriend and assist is our motto. Of course, they don't mean have the offender around for Christmas dinner. But I like this approach. It feels right. Like this will make a difference to rehabilitation. So today, I've accompanied a family to Dudley Zoo. I'm the dad's probation officer. And we do this sometimes. It's, it's a nice way to mend any damage caused by his time away. The kids are loving spending time with their dad. Which is great to see. As we approach the monkeys, the dad starts doing impressions. You know, arms, noises, dancing about the lot. Well, the monkeys, quite rightly, take offence. They start throwing their poo through the bars at us. The dad takes a direct hit. The mum is wrenching. I'm trying to escape unscathed. The kids think it's hysterical. And soon their laughter is infectious. As is probably the poo. I should bring my kids here for a day out. Although their daddy's a wall. I worry sometimes they're missing out. Not having their father around, not having a father figure. At least these kids are sharing something positive with their dad. Oh, don't get me wrong. It's not all trips to the zoo. But it's nice to hold on to the good stuff. My kids and I are at the bus stop in Kings Heath. Oh, it's not a trip to the zoo. It's an ordinary Saturday and we're heading to town to get some school shoes. We will get round to the zoo, I hope. Anyway, my son's eight and my daughter's five. And my daughter starts... Mum, Mum, that lady across the road is staring at you. Well, you know what kids are like. The bus will be here any minute. Can you see it coming? Mum... She, she is staring right at you. Do you know her? I have a quick glance in the general direction. It is in it, the woman shouts, and she's so loud most of King's Heath follow her gaze to me. She's now running across the road. Cars are breaking and beeping at her. <laughs> she's not put off. You fucking beep at me again. Go on, I dare you. Run me over, Bab, and I'll sue your ass off. She doesn't miss a beat. Fucking hell. It is you. I knew it. Don't you recognise me? I was your favourite, remember? You're the best probation officer I ever had. And she throws her arms around me. I'm clean. I'm fucking clean and off the game. Hey, Bab, she's including me daughter now. Your mum is brilliant. She waits with us till our bus arrives, filling us in on how she's turned things round. As we get on the bus, my girl says, Mum, you know that lady? What game was she off? I think I said countdown. She waves us off from the pavement and I'm as chuffed as she looks.
Okay. First up, we are no longer the West Midlands Probation and Aftercare Service. We've dropped the aftercare. And we no longer need to advise, assist or befriend. Our focus is on reducing, reoffending, public protection and victim satisfaction. And with that in mind, we will be introducing a new computer-based system where we can document, create necessary reports and manage all our data. I stopped raising my hand to ask questions a long time ago. Excuse me. I'm just wondering when we'll have time to engage with the offender. You know, get to know the root of things and prevent them from going back to prison. If we're all inputting and managing data. Apparently, it's all about modernising and keeping up. And that's how I've ended up with a man fiddling under my desk. He's meant to be there. He's mumbling about logging on and my mouse and hard drive. <sighs> Computers. I'm all for progress. I have a computer and the internet at home. You have to keep up, don't you? But do they belong here, at the centre of probation? I might as well cut us out and have the computer directly rehabilitate them. Oh, no. I think I've done something wrong. And not with the computer or the man under the desk. My manager is beckoning me into his office. And he shut the door behind me, which is usually a bad sign. He's using phrases like, best person for the job. Handled sensitively. And he rounds off with, I feel you're the right person to undertake this, this alleged report of racism. Oh, okay. Well, I assume he means my diplomacy, people skills and years of experience rather than my heritage. It's an ugly case and obviously I need to be careful what I tell you, confidentiality and all that, but what I can say is a female co-worker has made an allegation of racist behaviour against her team. She has reported racist abuse three times to her manager and is now signed off with stress after no action was taken. I carry out a series of interviews with all those involved, which is quite a few people given the whole team is implicated. It's hard to ignore the sentence that starts. I'm not racist, but... The fact of the matter is, aside from computers or the privatisation of the probation service, another public service being secretly sold off, and then grailing U-turning on his... Supervision order for all, which was the fundamental reason for privatisation in the first place. Well, all that aside, fundamentally, the probation service has failed the female co-worker. An organisation which prides itself on diversity. An organisation that insists on having correct procedure and policies in place. If this organisation cannot protect and support its own employees, what chance do offenders have? And it's days like that which turn an evening glass of wine into a bottle. This morning I'm treating myself to a coffee and two ibuprofen. Their tablets haven't quite kicked in yet and their young'uns' voices are grating on me.
A young'un is a probation officer who doesn't know any better. They've gone through the training, but they, they don't seem to employ any common sense in that training anymore. Look, I, I didn't have enough money to buy nappies and get the bus here and, until my money came through today and the baby couldn't go the day and night without nappies. <sighs> well, you were supposed to be here. Could you not have walked? I can't bring myself to look at the woman's face. I've seen it too many times and I definitely can't listen to whatever else the young'un says. A she'll probably recall her. And it's the kids who ultimately suffer, isn't it? There was a time when I, I would have given the young'un a mouthful, tried to help the woman who prioritised buying nappies but there are rules and procedures and the computer doesn't have a section for compassion. I head to the toilets. I have a preferred cubicle. The mould on that grout has grown there since Christmas. It's four tiles long now. I'm at the bus stop in King's Heath. This time... Just with my daughter. She's not long turned 18. We're off to town, but not for school shoes. She's off to uni. So we're kitting her out for that. There's no one running across the road, stopping traffic and insisting I was your favourite, Bab. My daughter chats excitedly about going away, about her future, and I watch her so full of life, hope, Excitement. And I get that wave. Contentment, pride, happiness. My children. As a single parent working full time, we might not have had that trip to Dudley Zoo, but I managed to raise two decent, wonderful, amazing human beings. We get on the number 50 and get our two-day savers to town taking seats at the front of the top deck so we can watch the city go about its business below. It's getting time to pass the baton on. I've done my bit for probation. I climbed the ladder and did have successes. I might have had to work twice as hard as my counterparts and I might not have always asked the right questions at the right time. But I had a voice. And I always made it heard. My children, though. My children, my family and my friends. That, for me, is my real success. So you've just heard Lorna Laidlaw performing Viv. And listen on now to hear my conversation with Tracy Clark, where we talk about what things are going on for probation now. And I'm very pleased to say that what Tracy says is very heartening. If you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate and review the podcast. I'm very pleased to be talking to Tracy Clark, who is a probation officer here in Birmingham. 
And we're talking really in response to our Viv 58, Probation Officer Mum Shit Dodger monologue, which was written by Stephanie Ridings <laughs> and was researched with many uh, women who'd been, so uh, not social workers, forgive me, probation officers, in, and we talked to them in 19... I can't remember when it was. Five, five years ago. When's that, Tracy? Five years ago. 2014. Thank you. She's good at numbers. <laughs> so what strikes you about what it, what's going on now for probation officers? That was five years ago. That was five years ago when we had all the, the Chris Grayling privatisation and the transforming rehabilitation, as it was called. Um, and it was a really, really sad time for us. And at the moment... We're, we're going through a reunification process. So lots and lots of our colleagues are going to be working with us again. So it's, a, it's another time of change, but it's hopefully a positive one where stuff will come back into the public sector. What do you think was happening at that time when that monologue was researched and written? What was going on then? And it was a sad time, wasn't mm. it? And people were very disheartened, actually. I think people saw or feared, probably, feared the end of the probation service, if mm. you like, and saw us becoming subsumed into some sort of big justice juggernaut that was going to lose some of the really important stuff about probation. So people were really fearful. Yeah. But it's changed, and that's good. It's good yes. to hear good news, actually. Yeah. I think people are still nervous mm. and and waiting to see what the changes will be and how it will work and how it will be designed and how we'll all work back together etc but at least for me anyway I can see some hope and I think you're a very positive person and it's important would you say to be positive we have to be it's the whole point of what we do isn't it so we're hopeful for people mm. Um, always hopeful, even though sometimes we're quite often disappointed in that hope. So you have to retain that optimism. And I think if that goes, then maybe it's the time to rethink things and try and find it again. And if you can't, if you become kind of too cynical and too lacking in optimism and hope for people, then probation's not your bag necessarily anymore. So when you when you trained. It was it at the time of these these what were those key, three key incentives? What are they? The kind of friendship. We 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 heard about those. Ah, right. Yes, yes. It was a kind of historical thing. But I think that for most of the people in that training room, that was still the purpose of things. And for me, I don't think you have to do one or the other. So I think if you don't assist and befriend then you can't do the public protection and the kind of more difficult stuff. So it's that whole care and control thing. And sometimes the balance of that gets a bit skewy. Yeah. Either way. Yeah. Because we have a role to do and that can be quite difficult to manage. But actually, you can't do one without the other. You, if, how, how, why would anybody listen to anything you say if they don't have a relationship with you? Yeah. A lot of it's about trust, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. And I remember because I did some of the research and people were saying you used to be able to go around to people's houses and decorate their bedrooms mm -hmm. with them. Is that kind of behaviour at all happening now? I don't know whether it is in... in the, I doubt it is in the CRC because of time-wise and because of the way that the caseload was divided with the kind of high-risk and in inverted commas coming to the National Probation Service, a lot of that stuff is much more 
difficult in terms of kind of staff safety and things as well, um, but also just in terms of time and stuff and, you know, the, the, the stuff around IT and the expectation of procedures and mm. and things. I, I, I do still think you can do both, but it's a real balancing act for people to be able to do stuff along. So you have to be a bit more creative about how you do things alongside people. I think this word creativity is very important. As women in theatre have a long uh, relationship with the probation service and for many years we did a lot of work at Crowley House which when we first went there I think was the only place where women could go and have take their children yes. with them because yeah. there was a nursery there and a creche and kids could mm. be there. Then that kind of stopped. I'm not sure when the kids' bit stopped but it was always a female hostel, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. And we did loads of drama there. And unfortunately, that that stopped. What would you say is the role of creativity in in probation, really? I think one of the big things for me is, and it kind of links in with literacy, I think, and people's Mm. ability to read and things. So we do lots of stuff around people being able to take other people's perspectives and think as other people. So all your victim awareness stuff is around that, but also just in terms of day-to-day interactions. And if someone can be someone else or be somewhere else for a period of time. That increases that perspective taking, but it also provides people with an escape from what can be really difficult, complex, challenging lives. So if they have a chance to be somewhere else or somebody else for a period of time, that can be really liberating for people. And they don't have to be the offender, in inverted commas, all of the time. It gives them a chance to play other parts. Yes, yeah. And one of the women that used to be at Crowley House, one of the probation officers, was Lynn Fife. I don't know whether you know Lynn. Yes, yeah. Uh, And she always used to say, I don't think these women have played enough as children. I don't think they've had enough chance to play. And that's another role of the arts, isn't it? Therapeutic, really. Yeah, and just a a chance to be a bit silly sometimes and not have to be adult and grown-up and all the scary stuff. And if someone's never told you how to be in that role... Play is a way of practising skills, isn't it? And trying things out and saying new things. And quite often I think, if I think back to the women at Crowley, often it gave them a chance to express some things in a safe way because they were somebody else. So it wasn't them saying that stuff. Yeah. It gave them a chance to talk about experiences and things in the third person. So that's safe. That's not asking me to expose myself in any way. Mm. But I'm still able to kind of get it out there and have people actually listen to it as well. A lot of people might say, oh, we don't... Yeah, they're doing drama, these women. They shouldn't be doing drama or they shouldn't be doing painting or gardening. I think that's very sad, actually, that people feel that it's got to be punishment. punishment. Mm -hmm. Because often... One of the things that struck me is that there'd be women on probation there who'd been working in a pub and signing on, not having done very much at all, you know, this kind of stuff, yeah. really. Yeah, and even if someone's committed really serious exactly. crimes, exactly. We, still, we still want them, don't we, to have a future out here with us. Yes. And that's the way you prevent reoffending, isn't it? You don't... You prevent more victims, you do all that stuff, but you also give that person a chance to be somebody else. Not to have to carry on on a certain path, you know. You need to give people options and choices. And some of these people have had really limited options and choices. And I always think of it as, so it's not an excuse, but it's an explanation. It tells us why the person's got here. It doesn't excuse the behaviour that's brought them to my attention, Mm. 
but it explains how they've got there. And that then gives you a way in, doesn't it, to stopping them going back to where they were before. I absolutely feel that anybody listening to this, Tracy, will be 100% behind you because <laughs> what you're saying makes such sense. So you're going to continue to be a probation officer, I hope. Yes. You don't want to do anything else. No. I have moments where yeah. I think, <laughs> why, why, why? And it's stressful and it's hard. But I know you know it's what? Stressful. It's, it's, it's very rarely the clients that cause that stress. Yeah. So, and the things you kind of sometimes are a bit constrained. But someone has to do it, don't they? And if you can do it within the framework that we're given, so in a way that kind of keeps all those procedures and things in, in place, I think you can still work with those men and women and their families. And, and I think there is more emphasis now on desistance, so not kind of always looking back at what someone's done, but looking at what someone might be able to do. So, And would you say that's a recent... Fairly recent, yes. I think I think we've gone back to it. I think we used to do that a lot, so strengths-based work was quite common. Then we kind of started to think that people need to... I mean, shame's a really powerful thing, isn't it? But it's not always a positively powerful thing, I think. So there was a kind of a revisiting offending idea, and you have to understand how your victim felt. I don't know how helpful some of that was some okay. of the time. Yeah. Um, but now it's about... What can you do? What are your strengths? What can we help you build? What's good in your life? How can we keep that going? So things like, you know, the lady in the in the piece was talking about just helping someone reconnect with their family. Well, that's a pa- hugely powerful massive, thing, yeah. isn't it? You know, so that yeah. kind of work. So even if it wouldn't be accompanying someone to do that, but you might talk through that day with them and help them think how they're going to be in that situation. They've been away from that unit for a long time. That's a big deal, isn't it, being mm. with people again. So your role might be, like you say, some creative stuff. So around okay. place yourself forward into that role. How are you How are you going to be, Dad? What What would that look like? Yeah. Well, I, th- I absolutely have to say I've loved this interview with Tracy because it's very, very interesting and it's very positive. And I like this idea that we're not to be obsessed with the past, really, but to say, what what does the future look like? Yeah. And that's for probation as well as those individuals, mm, isn't that's it? Right. Yeah. We've we've got to learn as probation to kind of let some of that, I think, grief and upset from the last few years go and embrace the future as well. And so, be positive. Yeah. 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 Embrace Thank change. You. Thank you very much. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Trace. That was me, Janice Connolly, talking to Tracy Clark, and thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast, and if you know someone who would benefit and enjoy listening, why not share it with them? Also, rating and reviewing the podcast will help us find more listeners. Viv was written by Stephanie Ridings and performed by Lorna Laidlaw, and it was directed by Joe Gleave. Sound design was by Sam Frankie Fox, and the podcast was recorded at Brum Podcast Studios with Brum Radio. The Women in Theatre podcast is funded by Arts Council England, the Sir Barry Jackson Trust, the Feeney Trust, the Cole Charitable Trust and The Space. And the monologue was originally part of the stage production for the past 30 years, produced in association with Birmingham Repertory Theatre. Now, this is a free podcast from Women in Theatre. We're a charity. So if you think, oh, I'd like to support the work we do, you can make a donation by visiting our website, womenintheatre.co.uk forward slash supporters.